Hello and welcome to episode two of the Bell's Laboratory podcast. I do hope this finds you all very well. It is January 2024, so belated Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you all. Interestingly, the first episode got just over 250 listens um, through the analytics on my website. So wow, for a brand new podcast, thank you. Um, that was unexpected, um, to say the least. So I hope everyone's doing good. I hope we've managed to do a bit of uh, reflection. I certainly did, you know, realizing that um, I'm 15 months away from transfer on my PhD journey. So, you know, no pressure. Um, so, yeah, um, CS Matt. I wanted to talk a little bit about CS Matt. Um, this is a little bit of a story time, I suppose. Um, my supervisor, when kind of going over my research proposal, um, he said, look, you keep using this word contemporary spatial multi-channel audio technologies over and over again. You know, you're, you're eating into your workout here, Mike. Come on, sort it out. So uh, he coined the whole uh, CSMAT um, acronym. That's Stace Constantinou. So thank you very much for that, mate. But I am 100% taking it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a, a way of us, uh, you know, getting some words back on that 1,000-word uh, that research proposal word count. But um, it's become a bit of a thing and um, it definitely makes it easier, especially when talking to people who are kind of in the know with these tech, um, you know, yeah, contemporary spatial multi-channel audio technologies. So, uh, yeah, a little bit of a backstory there. And while we're on words, some good advice I got from my second supervisor, Anastasia Spakoukas. See, I'm just getting all my supervisors in this now to sort of, uh, you know, introduce them. So uh, Anastasia said to me, you know, I was basically setting word counts um, to my thesis design. So... I was saying I wanted chapter one to be 5,000 words and chapter two was going to be 3,000 words. And he said, why are you doing that? You're just restricting your learning and you need to uh, not do that, you know, and you're way too early in your thesis to even be worrying about this. You know, things you're writing may not even make the final thesis. So that was uh, good advice. And um, so, yeah, that's enough on uh, on word counts. And while we're here, Drew Gray as well. So uh, Drew Gray is my director of studies, and there you go. So we got um, Dr. Anastasios Bakoukas as second supervisor, Dr. Stace Constantinou as first supervisor, and Dr. Drew Gray as my DOS. So what what's going on? Um, what's happening in terms of uh, 2024? So <clears throat> the first thing I saw in terms of uh, tech, let's say, um, Apple Vision Pro. So that's launching quarter one, apparently, um, 2024. So that's imminent. It's going to be ridiculously expensive. So in like three and a half thousand pounds. So I definitely would not be a first early adopter of that tech. But with Apple Vision Pro, um, I think there's a big push towards spatial sound with um, rumors of Apple even considering paying more royalties to creators um, for mixing their music in spatial. Um, so <clears throat> clearly, you know, they're not just doing that out of the goodness of their hearts. They're clearly trying to push this tech as we move into the area of spatial computing, as I call it. Um, spatial audio, spatial vision, just spatial everything. Um, you know, um, it's going to be interesting to see who adopts those mixes or does anyone uptake it and start to explore with it more. Um, and hopefully this gives me kind of more opportunities right where I am um, placed in the world in terms of my research. So. That's the first thing I've kind of seen this year in terms of uh, Apple Vision Pro and um, incentives, let's say, for people to get into this. This comes at the same time that Avid um, have put the Dolby Atmos renderer into Pro Tools. So it's now integrated. You don't have to run the renderer outside of the door. Slightly limited. You can't um, 
I have treated my room um, in terms of decibel output for each speaker, which I fine-tuned in the renderer, and they have not ported that into Pro Tools yet. So I'm still using the, um, the renderer outside of the door. What I'm hoping is by that happening, that the resources within Pro Tools itself will be slightly um, increased. Because I did notice that as, as my mixes were sort of continuing, while my computer didn't throw out too much in the way of problems, I could see the CPU was getting quite hot. So I'm hoping that without there being any kind of rewiring happening, um, we get, even if it's 5% back in terms of CPU, will be a welcome thing. So I'm in Logic and Ableton, um, and I believe um, Cubase stroke Nuendo have had this integration within the door for quite some time. So it's good to see Avid kind of uptake this um, and implement it into the door. Uh, perhaps slightly irritating for those of us who went out and bought the render separately, but then it does have its uses in terms of you can just play back your Atmos mix um, in the renderer standalone without having to launch a DAW. And then you can just do your re-renders as and, as and when you, you wish, um, again, without needing to go near Pro Tools. So that's a good thing. So I think really last year was, was all about kind of getting into the program, figuring out reading materials, um, getting certain templates set up and ways of working. I spent hours sort of configuring my room, um, adding a front center speaker, two rear surrounds and a sub. Um, alongside that, I got myself some uh, multi-channel reverbs and just kind of played around with, you know, well, what is this whole medium that I'm that I'm working in? So the initial content that I chose to kind of engage with um, was a really cool version of Eric Satie's Genipedes 1 uh, for, for synth. So, you know, bunch of synthesizers um, for chords, leads, basses, good old 30 plus stems. Um, it's a really detailed piece. And that kind of gave me a good sort of starting point um, to get going with this but ultimately it's quite a big project i mean even mixing that in stereo um wouldn't exactly have taken two minutes you know um so trying to then adapt that for immersive i wasn't really paying too much sort of attention in terms of spatial i was more interested in well what can we actually do with the 360 here what can we do with a, a 5-1 mix and uh, my my early template that i made in pro tools was to try and almost if i didn't have a channel so like i've said i've got Five one in my studio. So if I didn't have, say, you know, surround sides or or rear rear height front, you know, rear height rear, I created objects for those beds, so to speak, um, as a way of trying to play around with a with a binaural render. You know, how would this work if I send this to an object which is placed at the top rear, or if I send it to an object which is essentially um, a side surround? How does that translate? And I think ultimately just the the content was too rich um, in terms of, of what it gave me. So while it's been abandoned for the time being, it's something I'm definitely going to gonna revisit. I'm just going to take this a little bit um, simpler, I suppose, get into the real rudiments of well, what are we actually doing here, you know, um, as opposed to just arranging something, saying quad or focusing on the beds. Can I just take a few stems, you know, of, of perhaps some low elements, some me medium elements and some high elements? <laughs> get some stuff mixed as a bed and then really play around with with movement um, and spatialization in terms of objects. I think as well on on further reflection of the, of this point, um, another thing that, that I suppose blocked me from continuing the, the, the Sati mix, and it's actually something that was suggested by my supervisor, like, you know, look, Mike, you've done a good job with, with, with these stems, you know, but I think you need to simplify this. You need to to get back to sort of the basics and try try another early experiment. Come back to this at a later time. 
really it came from when I did my re-renders from the, the Dolby renderer and, and I, I exported a, a binaural uh, mix for him to listen to in, in his place on, on headphones. And while, you know, a sort of, the mix was in no way finished, um, but as a, as a sort of elementary approach to that, to that track, while I didn't think it was terrible, the, the, the experience um, over headphones was vastly diminished in my opinion to what I had in my studio with with my speakers and certain elements just weren't really present it seemed like they'd been cancelled out or or just flat out removed um and yeah I just didn't get a particularly great experience from that from that re-render so I thought wow okay what's going on here um so ultimately that's 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 a that's a decision that I made I think as well while we're here you know given the title of this of this podcast is contemporary spatial multi-channel audio technologies cs matt <laughs> let's delve into some of this right by defining what we mean by spatial multi-channel and immersive audio well the answer is good luck because you know you can spend hours trolling the internet looking at loads of different companies who are providing um these solutions namely apple with their spatial audio you've got thx spatial creator You've got Dolby Atmos, you've got Sennheiser's Ambio. The list goes on and on, um, and it doesn't seem to be stopping any time soon. So really, if you think of the concept of spatial sound, well, surely just being a human being with, with two ears and an organism or an organ in the, in the middle of our uh, heads, namely called a brain, um, we're able to decipher and... and uh, and make sense of the space around us you know the the timing differences between a sound hitting the ears the the frequency response the the sound pressure level within our space the dynamics the the diffuse or sound or the reverb you know the, the the size of a particular object all of this happens in real time and we do get a sense of where an object is coming from if we think of an object to be you know, wind or, or a car alarm or, a, you know, you just dropped a plate on the floor or the barman drops a pint glass in the pub. You, you kind of get an idea of where that, that sound source is, how, how big the glass was, what the impact was. And we've, I suppose, evolved to, to identify these, um, um, this, this sound, right, over, over you know, our, our, our uh, um, evolution. So if we look at, if we think about just a mono channel, a mono audio channel, and uh, I've never really thought about, you know, I've been working in audio for, for you know, coming on 15 years, and I've, I've never thought about this. Um, I suppose that's what doing a PhD is all about, right? But um, from, a mono sig from a mono signal, I can get a sense of, of height, um, especially in the, in the mid to high end uh, ranges, um, and depth, you know, the distance between the the microphone um, and the sound source gives me a sense of a sense of depth. Um, I do not get any sort of of width. Um, cue stereo. So obviously stereo, you can you can have a, a dual mono signal, which is basically exactly the same um, sound source duplicated twice through the left and the right speaker. Obviously, the sound source may hit your ear, your left ear or your right ear first, or that can, I suppose, give a give a sense of space, but essentially the the channel is the same. Um, when you then move into true stereo, so there's there's 
you know, correlation deviation um, between the two signals. Um, you can start to to um, perceive width. Um, so now you've got width alongside height and and depth. Um, and another sort of sort of phenomenon I've I've found when when, ex when exploring center channels uh, in terms of surround, which I'll come onto a little bit later, but you know, generally speaking, the only thing I've really seen to go into um, the center channel really in terms of film is is dialogue, um, which makes perfect sense. I mean, when trying to mix the sati piece, I suppose because in a stereo field, you don't have that. Your brain kind of almost creates that center channel. There's almost like a phantom center um, in the mix. So if you then start putting an, a sound right dead center alongside like i don't know just say it's dual mono um in all three speakers so your left your center and your right it's really strange i almost found like it actually hurt the, the center of my head physically um because i suppose it's just alien um to have that that at you that that direction at you so i found that you need to be careful with with the center speaker so far during my uh, my early experiments but let, let's continue doing this, right? So, so you know, mono, you've got a sense of depth and height. Stereo, you've got a sense then of, of um, width alongside your depth and your height um, because of the deviation between the, the two speakers. So, you know, Q, I suppose really you should, you should then Q quad, so where we basically had two stereo fields, one behind us, one in front of us, but, you know, gaps to our left and our right um, and not a huge sense of, a sense of height, but not not um, not entirely present um, as much as if you'd actually put speakers in the ceiling. So, okay, so what what we're talking about when we go to to surround then, or what we we call immersive? Well, this does add sides and it, it adds speakers behind you as well. So, from quad we went to to five point one. So front left, center, front right, rear surround. Um, left rear surround right and your lfe or your subwoofer then we went to 7.1 which added side surrounds um and then 9.1 or what i would probably call 712 now added two height channels um to the left and the right at the front which were higher so it gave you a little bit more of an impression of of, of height well obviously now the you know <laughs> 714 is your standard Atmos or Dolby Atmos um, configuration. So front left, center, front right, sides around left, sides around right, rear surround left, rear surround right. Then then you've got um, top left and right front and rear left and right top. So that's your kind of configuration. So but but what's happening here? What why are we why are we talking about um, what's actually happening in terms of this this immersive um um system so channel based audio was bound to speakers so say say you i don't know say you had like a 46.4.10 configuration so 46 speakers around you 10 subwoofers and then you know whatever i said in the ceiling something ridiculous well if it was channel based you'd have to create a multi-channel mix where the sound signals then correlated and and, and uh, responded um, to a fixed speaker location. Um, that doesn't happen when we talk about object-based audio, which freely lets you position the sound via metadata. So 
really the playback system um, reads that data and then determines how to distribute that particular sound object, be it mono or stereo, um, between all the speakers in the in the playback system. So um, channels are not an object. We don't care about channels when we talk about object-based mixing. Um, this has not really been done before. So this is this is where everyone's kind of getting, I suppose, um, excited about this. Um, really, it was a huge blocker to consumers um, before this point. You needed an expensive playback system. Many, many speakers, so sort of cinemas have reigned in terms of in terms of immersive audio, three hundred and sixty audio, spatial audio. Here we go. We are getting there. So, immersive, you know, can now be perceived through binaural audio tech, which essentially tricks the brain into perceiving sounds from from different localized locations and. It appears to do this through through using timing differences, um, uh, level differences, and a lot of filtering um, to well to trick your brain, I suppose, in a similar fashion to that phantom center speaker I mentioned earlier, to get a sense of space um, all around you. And you need to do this with headphones because obviously the the diffuse sound or the the reverb within your room or your listening space are going to ruin the the design of 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 the format it needs to be very much a, an isolated um experience aka the sound source is going directly into your your left and your right ear so this plays on what we spoke about um towards the beginning of this podcast about around what it, what does it mean to actually be a human being and uh, experience sound Binaural is very much um, playing on, you know, head, ears, torso, um, all of which changes how you experience sound. And the, the industry's tried to to address this through through a technology called HRTF or head related transfer function. And some of you may have seen this on your tablets or your phones, um, where you can essentially take your your biometrics through your the use of your camera, which tries to look at the shape of your ear, the shape of your head. Um, and tries to then almost, I suppose, add a um, a playback, a, a, a layer to the playback system, um, which takes into account how your body is actually constructed in terms of listening to sound. But this is not a an exact science from what I can tell um, at this moment in time. Um, so when we talk about um, the, the THX spatial creator or what THX are calling THX spatial audio, here we go again. Um, this is kind of what their their game is is all about. They've got a very what they call a neutral um, HRTF uh, profile, which you can use when when creating your your mixes. This was in the Dolby renderer at one point, but it, it seems to have, have disappeared. I can't find that HRTF uh, function, and it's something that I need to look into um, as my my research continues. But I think that's hopefully that's outlined at least my understanding thus far of of of, of binaural. Um, but that that takes us now into sort of ambisonics, um, which is the polar opposite to what THX are, are sort of trying to do. So ambisonics is not a new technique, but again, it was it was costly, right? To to, to produce ambisonics, you needed again a um, a playback engine um, and a rendering system from a production standpoint, and then the listener also needed a playback engine, which could and multiple speakers to be able to um, hear this format correctly so again cinemas ruled the roost um in terms of the the um immersive replica replication of of uh of ambisonics 
Ambisonics just basically uses a, a spherical microphone uh, technique. So multiple captions, capsules in different directions um, to pick up above you, behind you, to the side of you, below you. Um, and then it replicates that w within a space, which again was usually in a cinema. So Ambisonics took it to, to the next level. You know, you, you got more side above, below. It, it, was, it wasn't um, like the sort of traditional surround formats, which tended to be a little bit more two-dimensional uh, two um, in terms of the circle around the, the listener. So that added a, you know, another layer in terms of height. And we started seeing more height in cinemas and even home surround systems started having height. And, you know, we moved to 7.1 um, or 7.12. So this all continues to, to grow. Um, you could you could sort of pack an ambisonic mix into binaural, but then you'd need a decoder plugin um, for headphones. Um, and again, that's going to use that HRTF tech as mentioned before. So in the terms of the Dolby Atmos format or the object-based format, Ambisonics is not that. It would still be produced by any system in the world um, in a channel-based capacity. So the only place it really changes um, is within video games, where obviously video game engines allow for movement or head tracking. And this is kind of what Apple Spatial is all about, head tracking. Cue their Vision Pro, which I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, and their whole kind of spatialized approach to modern computing. So video games has had this for a while. You know, if you've got, if your player's in the, in the middle of a space in a forest, say, they're in the middle of that ambisonic um, bed. And as the player turns left or the player turns right, you get more of the left sound or the right sound. So video games has pushed this forward for, for quite some time, whereas more linear formats such as um, film or TV, generally speaking, it's just going to be in a fixed bed location. So it's compatible with Atmos in terms of Dolby. Um, so you can, if anyone's got old ambisonic um, recordings, I'd actually be interested in getting them or if you could render them into, um, by, into, into Atmos so I can hear the binaural mix, that would be very much appreciated because I'd be interested to hear how that is um, replicated. So this brings me now to... I just touched on it in terms of head tracking. So head tracking is is very much coming. Um, and even on the Apple um, AirPods, you know, if you're watching a film um, or playing a game and you turn your head left or you turn your head right or you move away from the sound source, you go and make a cup of tea or something and your, your headphones are still in, you do definitely get a sense of, well, there's the sound source and I can hear what's happening within that environment. So head tracking is what Apple are referring to as spatialized audio. So I hope that wasn't too much of a, com a complete um, ramble, but yeah, to sort of conclude, it's all immersive audio. It's all 3D audio. It's all spatial audio, you know, but just companies are, you know, adding taglines to this tech and, and trying to kind of get in and, 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 and I suppose take ownership of it or, or, or push the, te the technologies forward. I mean, there's going to be vast other tech out there, which I haven't even mentioned here. And I'm sure that some of this is possible even in, in Max MSP, if you get into sort of a programmy um, object land. But I think what is clear when we look at the consumer space is where and why people are perhaps so excited about this Dolby Atmos and why that sort of seems to be taking the, the forefront 
is the accessibility of it um, for the consumer. You know, I know if I deliver um, my Dolby Atmos um, uh, mix, my my ADM file to you know distributors such as DistroKid, it's going to go into the Apple Store and the and the the Tidal um, uh, streaming service, and people are going to be able to listen to it in whatever format they have in their listening environment. So be that a set of AirPods, they'll get the binaural mix. If they've got a quad system, they'll get the quad mix. If they've got 5.1, they'll get a 5.1, a 7.1, they'll get a 7.1, 714, they'll get a 714, you know. It goes on and on and on um, in terms of how my mix is then translated within their their listening environment. It takes all the sort of, um, well, the just the complex, the complexities away from actually consuming uh, the music. Um, you know, while I think of, of, of companies such as THX with their, their THX spatial, which is literally specializing in binaural, I think that potentially does have a, have a place. And this will probably end up somewhere in my, in my thesis that, you know, maybe there is space to do a, you know, a binaural only um, mix outside of Satmos, but you know, the renderer itself can deal with it's scalable um, and it's very easy to, to, to consume. And this was the thing that, that, you know, even me, when I did my first re-renders, I ended up with a whole bunch of files. The only way I could really get an Atmos actual print onto a file was to, was to put it onto a, onto an MP4, you know, video file format. Um, and that's the only way I could get Atmos to actually play, say on my iPhone or through my Apple TV. Obviously I sent my supervisor the, the binaural mix, um, but there was part of me sort of, am I sending him the right thing? Is he going to be able to hear it? Have I done this correct? It, 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 you know, and I'm quite versed in audio formats. So to try and send this to just anyone, to just to sort of, without sort of degrading people here, but, you know, people who don't really sort of care or say about audio or, or aren't as versed as, say, people like me, I just know that if they're, they're an Apple Music user and they listen to my um, my music or they they hear like a, a film mix say I've done if it's on the the, the Apple TV um, app or you know even even within Amazon that the, they're also supporting Atmos you just know that the people are going to kind of get a representation of your of your immersive um, mix just contextualized within their listening environment with whatever listening apparatus apparatus I can't speak anymore um, they happen to have um, in their in their home or at least that's the theory. Um, you know, we'll see kind of how it goes, especially given most people are using, you know, AirPods and they're, they're not using, you know, full speaker systems. But that's that's kind of where I, I currently am um, three months into my PhD. So I, I feel like I've I've picked up a, a lot. So now it's just putting this into practice and getting back to that practice led research. And, and um, yeah, well, while the Sati mix, I will do it. I just I kind of wasn't ready for it yet and I wanted to do some other experiments to sort of uh, see where I get to. So yeah, that's the end of that, of that midsection now. So reading wise, I'm currently going through the art and science of 3d audio recording by Dr. Edwin Fanzagal Cardone. And that is excellent. Um, he's got a book. This came out last year, by the way, this is brand new uh, published and he had a book about three years ago where he really went into stereo microphone techniques. I mean, this guy has invented three of his own techniques, namely the AB polycardioid centerfill, the ORTF triple, and even his own version of the, the Blumline triple. So he's really kind of um, gone in and thought about this. And I thought that would be a good place to start for me 
Now let's see how these different frequencies operate. Um, bases seem to be troublesome. Obviously they're omnipresent. Um, and I found that in general, just, just sort of listening, the, the Jean-Michel Jarre um, oxymore is a good example of this. It's not very bass heavy, or, sh or I should say, you know, the, the elements which are bassy are very much considered. Um, they're not OTT or overkill at all. No LFE, you know, um, used at all within the, the entire mix. Um, and anything that was kind of had a, an element of space or an, a spatial kind of sound to me um, that was that was most meaningful tended to be in the sort of in the within the sort of mid to high mids and the highs. Um, so interesting. So yeah, it made sense to me to go back to the um, the recording arts, um, look into recording tech and think, well, you know, well how might I go ahead do, and do this? Say I wanted to record a performance, I wanted to go straight to multi-channel, and I wanted to go. Um, you know, straight into Atmos beds, let's say. What would I do? Which microphone positions would I would I use? How is it going to pick up the direct and the diffuse sound? And, you know, what, what does this actually look like? Um, even if we didn't do a mix, we literally just used the microphones and threw them into Pro Tools. Would it, what would it sound like? How would it replicate that room and that space and that performance? Other reading is, of course, continuing with uh, Treatise on Musical Objects by Pierre Schaefer. Lots of the concepts in there are going to be coming into this study. Lots of journal articles. Um, and I kind of want to get out to some conferences. There was a conference at Huddersfield University in the summer, uh, specifically dealing with immersive and spatial sound. And of course, I missed it. So a little bit of a bummer there, but I'm sure I'll, um, I'm sure I'll find some other opportunities um, in the near future. Big shout out to the Immersive Audio Podcast, which is based over here in the UK. Some really cool episodes there around sort of live performance um, in a multi-channel capacity. And I found that L acoustics are very much being used there by certain practitioners. No one's really talking about Dolby in terms of kind of rendering for those performances in a live capacity anyway. I mean, there's this talk around obviously working in the format for release. But yeah, interesting how stems are kind of how people are treating stems. Still lots of it's the Wild West talk. Um there's no rules, we're working it out. And um, one particular talk was kind of saying that a lot of the composition is still done in stereo, and then the stems are arranged for the immersive experience when they go out live. And then in terms of actually monitoring, they're monitoring in stereo and not in binaural, which would be the only way I suppose you'd be able to hear uh, that performance in your headset. So they're trying to sort of place themselves within the center of the space around the speakers kind of with the audience which would make sense you know you're getting then a real real life feedback of what your performance is like within a space alongside everybody else who happens to be uh, watching your uh, your gig so yeah really good um so good mix of uh, podcasts good mix of books good mix of journals good mix of listening to a ton of music and um i suppose i'll finish on just mentioning a new release that i've got coming out it is not going to at the moment be in Atmos. It's just going to go out in stereo, but it's certainly starting to play around with spatialization. Um, it's probably the the most panning or the most awareness of defining a space I've ever done. Um, and uh, so that's going out hopefully the end of this month. Um, it's a collaboration with my good friend, Les Plumridge. Um, but I am looking to essentially adapt that into Atmos because I can and why not? So, uh, Thanks for listening, guys. I hope again, I hope you're doing very well and look forward to catching you in the next episode. If anyone wants to sort of follow me on my journey, please do get in touch. If you've got anything you want to add, um, I'm potentially talking nonsense at this stage. Um, give me a shout and it would be good to have a chat. 
All right, guys. Take care. Bye-bye.